Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in John chapter 9 this morning. We're continuing our study through the Gospel of John, and it brings us to chapter 9 this morning. Jeremy, as we pick up here in chapter 9, we see another one of the miracles that, that John records for us that Jesus did here, this time involving a blind man. And this is a, a miracle, I think that it's, a, it's an interesting one in a lot of ways, because it's another one of those slightly lower key, if you want to use that terminology, um, one of those types of miracles in which Jesus performs this miracle, gives this man his sight, and then kind of fades into the background a little bit until the end of the chapter. And we've seen him do things like this before, but we've also seen him do things very publicly at this point as well. So as we get into chapter 9, this is one of those miracles that's always been interesting to me because of the fact that Jesus himself steps back and allows people to kind of deal with this on their own, and it gives us some insight into how that takes place. But as we get in here to chapter 9, Obviously, the first part of this chapter brings us to this man who was born blind from birth. So as we get into this, what are your thoughts initially about you know, where Jesus is in his ministry here and what brings him here to face-to-face with this blind man? Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we've kind of talked about this over the last couple of weeks that we've been you know, working our way through the Gospel of John. I mean, we, we've made mention several times, John is much more held to the chronology of Jesus' ministry than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. I mean, they're, they're certainly chronological, and they, be, mm-hmm. they begin with his birth, and they end with his death, but they group a lot of things together and, and teachings and miracles and those things. But John seems to just tell the story. I mean, just yeah. kind of follows, you know, Jesus, and he talks about things that happen. And another interesting thing that we've seen in John, especially over the last several chapters, is John will make mention of Jesus maybe doing something, a miracle perhaps, such as we've seen with the healing of the man on the Sabbath or feeding the 5,000. And you see just those events, but not just those events, we get the aftermath of those events. Right. Here's what happened because of that. And John's almost unique in the way that he delivers it in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens right here. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll certainly talk about the miracle. And it's interesting, the specifics of how the miracle happened. But the miracle itself is just a few verses. I yeah. mean, it just covers the very first few verses. And you're right. It just it seems to come about as... Jesus and his disciples were just passing by, and even his disciples make mention of him even before Jesus. And, you know, mm-hmm. this man is not begging Jesus to mm-hmm. heal him like we've seen right. in other places. It, it, he, he does, but then the rest of the chapter, I mean, lots of verses and lots of story that spring out of what happened here. But you're right. The really interesting thing is Jesus isn't involved in it. Yeah. I mean, the conversation that takes up the bulk of this chapter, I mean, the picture of Jesus isn't even there. Yeah. And he, he will certainly show up at the very end, like you've made mention. But it really becomes a really interesting narrative. And it is how people respond to what's happened. It, mm-hmm. To me, in a lot of ways, the application is Jesus has presented the truth. Here is the absolute truth of something. 
but yet lots of people respond to that lots of different ways, even though the truth is the truth, but lots of people see it very differently. And, yeah. and it's really an interesting story that unfolds for us here in chapter 9. We, we've talked several times through our study of John that Jesus uses the circumstances that are around him uh, to give him and, and give him an opportunity to teach the truth about what's taking place. I think this is a perfect example of that. As you made mention in, in verse number one, it just says that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, and he's born blind? It's almost as if this was just, this was just the circumstances that were around, a question came up, and boom, here's an opportunity yeah. for Jesus to teach. And in this particular situation, the ones that he's actually teaching to here are his disciples. They're the ones that have the question. They see this man who's been born, born blind, and they think, well, his parents must have done something or he did something to deserve being born this way. And Jesus uses that opportunity to, to teach. I think one of the things that's worth noting right off the bat here, and I think this is something that, that even a lot of people today still struggle with, is there is, is somewhere within us there is this desire to connect sin with physical consequence, mm-hmm. and, and that is has always been the case. And, and the, the disciples here were struggling with this. That they see physical consequences, and they immediately say, "Well, somebody, either he or his parents, have sinned to cause this." And I think one of the things that Jesus points out here as he goes on, because the first thing he says is, neither this man nor his parents sin. That, that's not what this is about. There is a need for us, I think, to recognize that, that sin and the consequences that come with it are primarily spiritual in nature. That doesn't mean that there may not be physical consequences sure. that come with sin. There, there certainly are in some situations. Right. But the consequences that we need to be focused on when it comes to sin are of a spiritual nature. And, and even his disciples were struggling to understand this. And really, even as you go throughout the New Testament, there, there is always this constant struggle within even first century Christians to really come to terms with the physical versus spiritual. What's most important? Where should our focus be? How do they work together? All of those things. And I think we're seeing a glimpse of that within the disciples here. And Jesus uses this man and his circumstances as a way to teach the truth about that and about the, the, the necessity, really, to focus on the spiritual side of things, especially when it comes to the consequences associated with sin. Yeah, and it, 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 Jesus has taken an opportunity to teach that. I mean, it's, we've seen it so many times already, and we're not even halfway through the book, but we've seen it so many times already in the Gospel of John that Jesus' propensity to re- take advantage of every opportunity, mm-hmm. not to let any opportunity to teach pass him by. He's going to take. Now, I, you know, listen, they were going somewhere here. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, I, I don't know, yeah. know what was on tap for the day, but I mean, they, they were going someplace. This was not a scheduled stop for them right here. I mean, this, you know, situation. And mm-hmm. so they were going somewhere, but yet Jesus... He takes advantage of every opportunity that's presented to him. And again, I mean, we've made the application already, and we'll continue to do so, that that has to be where we are because of the importance on those spiritual things mm-hmm. over the physical things. I mean, Jesus is certainly accentuating that, but how often do we make not take advantage of a spiritual opportunity because of something physical that we've got going on. Yeah. My, I've got a lot going on. My, I've got these other things. My day is busy, you know, whatever in the physical realm. 
And God places this, you know, great opportunity right at our feet. And we're like, well, that, it's just not convenient for me. Right. Well, we, never, Jesus, we never see that. Mm-hmm. And here, this opportunity is placed right here at Jesus' feet. And he puts the brakes on. I mean, yeah. he pushes the pause button immediately. And he says, well, let, you know, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. But not just let's talk about that. I mean, he actually, I mean, he heals this guy. And we'll, we'll see here in the next couple of verses. I mean, this guy had nothing to do with this at all. Yeah. It almost <laughs> paints a picture as Jesus, without this guy even knowing, walks mm-hmm. over and puts the clay on his eyes. I mean, they're having this conversation with the disciples. The guy seemingly is, whether he can hear or not, I mean, we're not given that indication. They're just yep. talking about this guy. Yep. And then the conversation kind of gets to a point where it's over. Jesus has done some teaching. He makes the clay. He walks over. He puts it on his eyes. And he's like, hey, go wash that off and you can see. I mean, it's just a rem- <laughs> remarkable you know scene as you begin to paint that kind of in your eye in your mind for sure it is and not only is it remarkable but even the way that Jesus responds to the question that the disciples ask and then ultimately the miracle that he performs it just reiterates how purposeful Jesus is about everything and to your point it's not as if this was a scheduled stop but again, the circumstances presented an opportunity, and Jesus is so purposeful about using his time and using every opportunity presented to him to to further teach or to further prove who he is, that he takes advantage of that in this situation, and that's exactly what he does. You know, I think sometimes we get into this challenge of, you know, just being in awe of what Jesus was able to do. Right. And certainly there's reason for that. I mean, when you read through the miracles, it it is awe-inspiring to see what Jesus can do. But Jesus did all of these things for a purpose. It wasn't just to show off his power. He wasn't wasn't allowing this man to see just because he could. He was doing it for a purpose, just like all of his miracles were done for a purpose. And in this particular situation, he even mentions what that purpose is. He says there in verse number uh, four, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He's using this opportunity to, again, prove who he is. Right. He has work to do, sent from the Father. And in order to do that, he needs to take advantage of every opportunity he has to prove who he is to his disciples. And then as we're going to see, in doing so, he's going to challenge a lot of other people to come to terms with who he is. And so he takes advantage of of this particular opportunity. And that's one thing that I've tried to do more as I read through the Gospels and read about Jesus' miracles is just to take time to remind myself to look for the purpose behind this. Not to get caught up in the details so much of it, allow myself to be in awe of it, but then to think about why. Why did Jesus do this? Why here? Why now? Why this way? And in this particular reason, I really think it's obvious as we read through the rest of the chapter. Yeah, I mean, it, it really it becomes obvious in the way that, you know, this whole story unfolds. I mean, he goes and he washes and he can see. And, and I mean, Jesus is gone. I mean, he... Yeah. I mean, he's, he's completely, he didn't go with them to the pool. I mean, he, he's just gone. And then what, what unfolds is people start to, they know this guy. They know that he's there, that he's been in the same place, that he can't see. And now this guy's walking around, mm-hmm. and, and people are starting to take notice, and they're kind of questioning their own mind. Is this the guy that was there, you know, who was born blind? Surely it can't be him. He's walking around, and, and they go, and they, you know, they get a hold of him, and it, it, the rest of this chapter is almost, you know, comical in the way that this poor fella has to retell the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, over and over and over. 
over. I mean, it's every single person he comes yeah. in contact with. Well, what happened? And he really doesn't have a, a great side of the story. I mean, we've made mm-hmm. mention already he wasn't really involved in what was going on very much. And so he almost becomes frustrated because he doesn't have a big piece of the story. I mean, all that he has is there was a guy who put something on my eyes, told me to go wash in the pool, and now I can see. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, all, that's all I got. But what really becomes an interesting piece is, to me, that is a reflection of the simplicity of the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is that simple in every way. And I mean, he mm-hmm. reacts to it in that way. He's like, I don't know a whole lot. I know I couldn't see before, and I can see right now. I don't know much else beyond that, but I know those things. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way that he presents the truth in a kind of a simple way, but how no one else wants to grab hold of it in that same kind of way. Yeah. But in this poor guy, I mean, he just gets now ping-pong back and forth in all kinds of different places and has to tell this story over and over and over again and to see how people respond to yeah, it. Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. The responses of yeah. people to what happened, I think, is really the crux of this chapter. Right. The response of the blind man mm-hmm. uh, and then the response of the Pharisees and how they dealt with this because uh, you know their first response to this once they're figuring out you know who this guy is and what happened their first response is hey hold on you can't do this on the sabbath you know <laughs> yeah, that we've which is that we've before. seen that before john chapter 5 the same thing happened and, and it, it still just amazes me that here is a man who 10 minutes ago was blind and had been since he had been born now he's standing in front of you able to see and your first response is can't do that on the sabbath day. yeah and it's just mind-boggling how that, that is their, their first response. But as we're going to see this kind of unfold, and as we've seen in the past, they are, they are so adverse to recognizing Jesus for who He is that they will take any opportunity to try and discredit Him. And really, all they've got is, you can't do this on the Sabbath. Because if they acknowledge, even for a moment that this man has the power to make people who were blind from birth able to see, and that forces them to come to face-to-face with the fact that this man is someone special. He right. is someone different. Who is this guy? We need to take note of this and figure out the truth about this guy. If they start going down that path, that leads them straight to the truth about who Jesus is, and they don't want anything to do with that. And so their initial response is, we've got to find a way to discredit him. And that, that's been their response thus far in Jesus' ministry, and it's going to continue to be the same. And the truth of the matter is, there, there are a lot of people today who still have that approach. When, when the topic of Jesus is brought up, or when, when the gospel is taught, their immediate response is to try and discredit. Right. Either discredit the truth or discredit the messenger, one or the other. Because if they allow the truth to be taught and are sincere about investigating it, it's going to lead them somewhere that they don't want anything to do with. Yeah. And that's where the Pharisees were. And so it shouldn't really surprise us that they're taking this opportunity to try and discredit him. And we really shouldn't be surprised when the same thing happens today. Because a lot of people are scared of where investigating the truth is going to lead them. And that, that ultimately is what Jesus wants. He wants people going down that path, investigating him, investigating the truth, because he's confident about what they're going to find. But a lot of people in the first century and today, don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fear that's going on here in in chapter 9. Certainly the Pharisees, 
I mean, the fear of what's at the end of the line if they accept this truth. I mean, they don't want any part of that. And so they just, I mean, their hearts and their minds are so closed and so hardened. I mean, they're, they're willing to just push aside this in-your-face kind of truth. I mean, they're mm-hmm. like, this guy couldn't see, and now he can, and like, I, I don't believe it. I, yeah. you know, I, and, I mean, even, and you made the point that it's going to be dis, discrediting the message or discrediting the messenger, and that's exactly what they do here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they go and, you know, fish out this guy's parents, and, and they only do that to try to discredit this guy who was blind, you know, that, you know, maybe they're going to come and say, well, he wasn't totally blind or whatever they thought you know they were going to say but you know even the parents kind of give us another idea of the way people oftentimes respond you know to the truth because listen they they know it Mm -hmm. they know he's been blind and he was born blind they they know it as much as he knows it but yet you know john tells us here you know because of fear Mm -hmm. and the pharisees you know think they were going to get tossed out they're not willing to do anything about the truth. And even we see that response. I mean, you've got the Pharisees who will flat refuse to look at it whatsoever. But sometimes you have others that see it and acknowledge it, but they're not willing to do anything about it. Maybe it's fear of repercussions, fear of relationship issues that may come because of that, the life issues, you know, changes that will need to be made. You know, whatever the case is, they see it, they recognize it, and they know it for what it is, but they're just not willing to do anything about yeah. it. And you see all of these different things, and they keep coming at this poor guy, and I mean, he just doesn't have a whole lot to say. Yeah. And they're yelling about Jesus, and they're like, "You and him are best friends, or you know all about him, or that he's a sinner." And and you know, he's basically gets to the point. You know, I think in verse twenty-five, where he says, "You know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know." I mean, he's saying, "I don't know anything about this guy." He says, "One thing I know." I was blind and now I see. Mm-hmm. And again, that simplistic outlook on the truth is where we all have to be. Now, I don't know about all these other things going on. I know this one thing for sure. Mm-hmm. A few minutes ago, I was blind, but now because of interaction with that guy, I can see. I don't know anything about him. I don't know who he is. I don't know what you guys are all saying, but this I know. And he wasn't Nobody was pushing them off of that. Oh. And maybe that ultimately is the big key. You know, it's, it's similar to the interaction that Jesus had with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. When, yeah. You know, she, she, goes, she has that interaction with Jesus, and then she goes back into her community and starts telling people. She, she doesn't know anything about Jesus. She's talked to him for 15 minutes maybe, but she knows that, hey, this guy was able to tell me things about my life that no one else would know. Right. You better come see who this guy is. It's, it's that type of simplistic approach to it, as you mentioned, that I think is really one of the, uh, the beauties of the gospel is that we don't have to know everything right now. Right, right. The important thing is that we know that an interaction with Christ has a significant impact on our lives, and I want to go tell someone else about that, and then I'm going to investigate that further, and I want them to investigate that further as well. And, and that approach is what ultimately will lead people to the truth about Jesus. There, but there has to be that sincerity of heart within someone to want to find the truth. Right. And that's what we see missing in the Pharisees. They weren't interested in finding yeah, the truth. That's a good point. That's right. And, and the woman at the well was. She wanted to, and, and the people that she talked to, they wanted to go in and hear him for themselves. And, and this man even, he goes and he finds Jesus because he wants to, to figure out more about this. 
you can see the difference between someone who is sincerely interested in figuring all of this out and someone who is sincerely interested in discrediting it and moving on. And that, that really is the distinction that's made. And again, we see that, those same types of mentalities today that we saw back then. There are people in this world who are sincerely interested in finding the truth about Jesus and about the gospel. And those people will find it. Yeah, They will find it. But there are also people who don't want anything to do with finding out the truth about Jesus. They want to keep it as far away as they can. And they will be successful in doing that if that's what they want to do. The Pharisees, as you mentioned here, you know, they were just going to ask all of these questions, some of them very leading questions, having nothing to do with actually figuring out who Jesus is or what we're supposed to do about it. They just want to prove either this guy's a sinner or the guy who performed this, he couldn't do that on the Sabbath day. He can't proclaim to be the Son of God. Get them all out of here. We don't want anything to do with them. You're all sinners. Just leave us alone. You know, that type of mentality, you're going to be able to keep Jesus at arm's length if you, yeah, have, that, oh yeah. if you have that approach. And, and that's, that's the difference that we see here in the two mentalities of these people. Yeah, and I mean, even this, this guy who was blind, and I keep wanting to call him the blind guy, but as we're in this part of the story, he's not anymore, <laughs> right. right? So the used-to-be blind guy, you know, right here in John 9. But I mean, he, he's even able to see through it, I mean, with the yeah. Pharisees. I mean, you know, he's recounted, we've made mention, he's recounted the story, I mean, several times. And, you know, we, we've made mention there in verse 25 where, you know, he's involved in the conversation about, well, this guy has got to be a sinner because he did this on the Sabbath day. And, you know, you see the frustration building where he says, I I don't know. I don't know who he is. I I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I know one thing. I was blind. Now I can see. And then, you know, right after that, I mean, the Pharisees are like, hey, won't you tell us one more time, you know, how this happened? What did he do to your eyes? And that sounds like a, we're trying to get to the bottom mm-hmm. of the truth question, mm-hmm. but it isn't. Yeah. They're not interested in learning the truth. They're not interested in investigating further. They're not interested in those things. They've showcased that already. This guy who was blind, he sees through that, and you, you see his frustration build even more when he, he's, you know, he turns it on him, basically, and they're like, well, you must be, want to be a follower of his. You, you're so interested in who this guy is. I mean, you want to be one of his disciples, and I I mean, that, they bounce back off of that, mm-hmm. you know, pretty quick. They're like, no, 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 we're Moses' disciples. And I mean, you know, now their true colors come out. It's exactly where you said they're not interested in the truth in any way. They're not interested in it at all. And there are folks out there that certainly that, they fall into that category. But there are lots and lots and lots of others who are, are interested in the truth and are interested in knowing about Jesus and who he is. And we've got to seek out opportunities for those conversations and be ready and willing to take advantage of them when they're there. Yeah, and well, you know, we mentioned earlier on that one of the interesting things about this particular chapter is that Jesus kind of disappears from mm-hmm. the picture for a little while. And I think one of the important parts about that that I think is really impactful to me is that sometimes we're going to have to do kind of what Jesus did here, not perform miracles, but there's a, a probably a time and a place where we're going to have to present the truth about something, mm-hmm. and then we're going to have to walk away yeah. and, and let the people deal with it and try and figure it out on their own. And, and Jesus does that many times throughout the Gospels, right? where he will do something, say something, and then remove himself from the situation and allow people to try and process that, think through it, figure it out. Because listen, at the end of the day, that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants us 
to really sit down and meditate on this, think about this, uh, think through it logically, and, and figure out, because that, that's when someone really becomes convinced of something. We're, we're never really going to be convinced of something if all we have is someone telling us what to do. We have to be able to think through it on our own and come to our own conviction about these things. And that's what Jesus wanted from people who are going to follow him. He wants them to be convicted of this. And, and, and so he challenges the Pharisees and others a lot of times to wrestle with these things on their own. Because if he's constantly there just telling them, telling them, telling them, telling them, then there's never going to be any true conviction in that. He wants everyone to have that opportunity to become convicted about who he is. And that, that's going to require him removing himself from the situation for a little while and allowing them to process this. And I think we have to take the same approach sometimes. If we're talking with someone, if we're trying to teach someone, we teach and we talk, but then we also need to give them some time to wrestle with some of these things on their own and allow them to process this and allow them to dig into it themselves because that ultimately is where that conviction is going to come from. Because, I mean, when it, when it comes down to it, the only way Jesus sinks into any heart is if they open their heart up for that. I mean, there's mm-hmm. ultimately nothing that I can do to open up their heart for you know for them. I, I can do my very best to talk to them about Jesus, to present the truth to them, but ultimately that they they're the ones that have to have their heart opens up. And, and I think you're right. Sometimes that takes a little bit of time, and it takes a little bit of patience, and it takes some reflection. I mean, it takes you know all of those things. Sometimes it takes. A difficult circumstance like this guy who was blind had to go through mm-hmm. uh, to the point that he's thrown out. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, he's brought in and, and thrown out all at the same time. And he's probably like, I didn't <laughs> want to be there in the first place. Yeah. But I mean, he's tossed yeah. out. And then you still see his openness. Jesus finds him there in verse 35, and he asks him, you know, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answers there in verse 36, you know, who is he that I can believe? I mean, so the picture is his knowledge base. Mm-hmm. I don't know where his knowledge base was, you know, about Scripture or about certainly in comparison to the Pharisees would have been low probably. Yeah. But yet he's just open. He's just mm-hmm. open to what's going on. And he says, you know, who is he? And he says, listen, you've met him. You've met the one, and it's the one that's talking with you right now. And and you have there in verse 38, I I believe. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And, I mean, if that's not simple (laughs) openness to the truth as, you know, showcase for, I mean, I I don't know where else in Scripture it is outside of this guy right here in John 9. And it's almost one of these interactions where I hear the question asked, you know, who is he, Lord, that I may believe? And you almost get this impression like, I think he probably knows, but he wants some confirmation here. Now, he, he knows what's happened, and he's probably looking at Jesus thinking, is this, or is this really you? Or, you know, and when Jesus confirms it, it's like, yes, that is, uh, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And it was almost like this man had processed what had happened, and he came to Jesus, as you said, with an open mind, and he wants confirmation as to who Jesus is. And once he gets it, there's no doubt left in his mind. He's seen who Jesus is. He's seen what he's capable of doing. He's seen what he can do in his own life. And he is ready. He knows and he's ready to believe and he acts on that. And it's just a beautiful picture of how someone comes to Christ. But there has to be that open-mindedness to see Jesus for who he is, what he can do for your life. And then your willingness to submit to him and to see him as the Son of God. That, that's really what it takes for someone to, to come to the point that this blind man does. But when it happens, 
it's such a beautiful picture, and you can almost sense just a, a, a sense of relief coming over this man that he, he now, not only has his sight been restored, but it's also been restored in another way as well. He can, he can now see Jesus for who he truly is. Yeah, and that's, that's in a lot of ways how the chapter ends. I mean, it's remarkable to me, and, and one thing that we could really take from Jesus there's certainly lots of things we could take from Jesus, but take from him in how to teach others. And mm-hmm. it is that getting people from the physical side of thinking over to the spiritual side. Yep. And Jesus was a master of that. I and mean, we've seen it over and over already. You have in John 3, him and Nicodemus out on a windy night. Jesus can take the wind and make a spiritual application. He's sitting mm-hmm. with the woman at the well in, in John 4. They're drinking water. He could take that water and make a spiritual application of it. You know, John chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000 with the food. Well, let's take that food and drink and make a spiritual application of it. Mm-hmm. And you see it even here in John 9. The whole chapter is about someone who was blind, physically blind. But let's take that idea of blindness and make a spiritual point about it. I mean, it, it is remarkable how easy is it he is able to do that. And, and he is the master teacher. Mm-hmm. But we've got to realize we, we, we can do that. I mean, there's opportunities all over the place for us to do that exact same thing, to take the physical world in which we live in and help people to be to think a little bit more spiritually. And that's where Jesus is, and certainly that's where we need to be as well. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Uh, I thank, thank everyone for taking some time out of their day to study along with us in John chapter 9. Hopefully this is giving you some things to think about. If you're ever in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to invite you to come and be with us. Uh, We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. for Bible study, 10 a.m. for worship, and again at 6 p.m. Sunday evenings. Uh, Please come and join us any opportunity that you might have. So thanks again for your time, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.